Hey, you guys, if you got a question, make sure to put it down in the comment section below, okay? All right, let's get some coffee. Not really, let's get some coffee. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents channel. My name is Jesse Durham. We're back for another installment of our question and answer series where we answer folks' questions about the infinite banking concept as described and conceived in R. Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Let's get started. First question comes from Terica. This is obviously an, an, an early question, and that's just fine. The question is, does it ever expire? And that's going to be referencing the whole life policy itself. And again, I say early because a very fundamental basic about the ideal entity to use for implementing the infinite making concept, and it has to be versus term insurance, because what I was getting ready to say is whole versus term, that, that age-old debate. Um, term does not have a cash value, so you can't implement infinite banking with. And then there are others that do have a cash value, and yet term insurance is for a term, so yes, it expires. It might be for a year, it might be for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I've, there's nothing beyond 30 years. Whereas whole life insurance, does it ever expire? Let me address that a little deeper, even though it could just have a superficial answer of no, because it's for your whole life. But there are obligations that you have as the owner. Your obligation as the owner are to pay the premiums that keep that policy in force, that are your end of the, the contract. And yes, when you pay those contractual premiums, it's a whole life policy. You have it for your whole life. Now, those premiums don't always have to come out of your cash flows. With a properly structured whole life policy with a mutual company that pays dividends, there certainly may be a time where that policy could be self-sufficient. So there's, there's my answer. Does it ever expire? It's not intended to. If you own a whole life policy that's been structured for the banking purpose, you're supposed to have that for your whole life and use that to become your own banker. Use that as your privatized banking entity. Great question, Terika. Thanks for letting me address it here on the channel and podcast. Here we've got a question from Samantha. Samantha asks, and she says, I was in the process with, she names a very big insurance company when I found IBC. And her question was, can I change how often I pay premiums? Good question. So the mode, the premium mode that you can have with a policy could be monthly, quarterly, semi-annual, or annual, depending on the contract, depending on the company. And can you change how often? Sure, it may be the case that if you start out paying monthly premiums, that you get to a point where you would rather pay annual premiums, for example, you, you could do that, right? If that contract allows you to do that, you could do that, and that, that is common, that is common. I've done that before with policies that we have. Change the premium mode. And then when it comes to how often I pay, it could also depend on what that premium is being allocated towards. Is that just your regular ongoing scheduled premiums? Or are you talking about additional premiums? And then there are some companies that will only allow you to make uh, premium payments at certain times based off of that contract. And then there are others that are more flexible with their paid up addition riders and you can make additional premium payments more flexibly uh, throughout a year. So that's a great question. How 
can I change how often I pay premiums? Yep, that's my answer. I hope that's helpful. Great question, Samantha. Thank you. Our next question comes from Seth. Seth says, I want to access my money for kids, car, college, kids, car, college, vacations, retirement in the future. But he says, I'm diabetic. How that how will that affect my policy? Um, so it will affect you like anything and everything else does affect you or me or anybody when they go through underwriting. So one of the steps in getting a properly structured whole life policy with a mutual company that pays dividends is a full medical underwriting. So that means urine sample, blood sample, all the, all the health questions about diabetes, no diabetes, diabetes, some people would say, um, so it's going to it's going to it's going to affect the the policy the nature of that contract for sure just like all of my stuff will me and the next person them okay so but you know the things that I would say to address that is that when we realize that this isn't about us trying to get the lowest quote from that conventional purpose of getting insurance we're not trying to go into a box store here and get a box store quote uh, for life insurance. So we're going to use this entity. Now I want the best, you know, best contract that I can have. And I want the best health that I can have. And I'm sure you do as well, but such as we are in such a condition as we find ourselves, once we know that we want to become our own banker, it makes sense to start right where we are. We're never going to be any younger than we are, maybe not any healthier, although I'd encourage you along that route to be as healthy as you could be for sure. But will it will it change the the nature of the contract? Sure, it might affect, you know, the the type of of status that you have of a preferred or standard or whatever whatever the case may be. Uh, but again, once you understand this process, it certainly becomes less about the product although that's important as well and that's why i say properly structured whole life policies with mutual companies that pay dividends that's what nash said in his book that's what we do and and that's my answer to that so such as we are let's be about it okay next question is from mark mark asks i just had to change the location of my business when i heard about ibc how can I compound my money as I start from scratch again? So this was from this was from a conversation with Mark where he had had this change in his business and it was in a completely new area. So uh, starting from scratch as far as clientele and relationships in, in that particular community now. So good question. Good question. The beautiful thing about infinite banking is that it applies to the employee, the self-employed, big business, small business, full-time investor, any mixture of these things, okay? Because everything is financed. So uh, that I mean that's a regrettable circumstance as far as you know that being a disruption in your cash flows, and I, I understand that. But I would also say this. I would also say this. I've had career changes in my life. And there's certainly never been a time in my life where I needed or wanted less capital or less access to capital. 
Okay. So when you own policies like these policies, these are private assets and they are not, they're not reliant upon, you know, you having a job here or a position there. It's just, it's a private asset that you own and control and it goes with you. It's yours. So it's, it's your privatized banking system. And of course, I'm going to say that if somebody is well capitalized in a privatized banking system, they're certainly better positioned to be able to weather a storm such as some type of financial disruption, a career change, location change, something that could just come along. We're never going to wish we had less capital or less access to capital. So it might it might not make sense for you to to even be a, uh, applying for a policy yet. If you're just right in the middle of of such a circumstance and you're you're just now learning about the infinite banking concept. Again, I don't have a cookie cutter approach to that based off of further conversations. You know, I'll do my best to speed up your learning curve, of course, so that you can arrive at knowing when it's best for you to begin becoming your own banker. Um, time is always of the essence, but everybody's circumstances are different as well. So that's that's a great concern. That's a very realistic concern. And, you know, we, we got to have that conversation uh, further developed, Mark and I did. But for the benefit of everybody here who has life happen, those are my thoughts on addressing that question. So thanks, Mark, for the question. Our next question is from William. William is a trucker, and he says, what is the loan process like? I've used a 401k loan before, and I also wanted to use a loan from a 401k, but didn't qualify because it was for a personal vehicle. Uh, No, because it was for a vehicle other than a primary vehicle. Okay, so here's, here's somebody who has done some conventional things while also uh, working for themselves. So plenty of folks are going to be able to relate here. Uh, we've certainly got plenty of clients that are self-employed. Um, so you're in business for yourself, but you've got these conventional, these conventional uh, programs. Uh, so Good question. I'm sorry. I'm 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 about to choke on what I <laughs> what I want to say about uh, how I feel about being restricted about um, because it's just different. You know, I've had a 401k uh, and I've also had a a whole life policy that's been properly structured for the banking purpose, and I, I had made as well 401k loans uh, before and access money of 401k and and experience uh, what that was like to 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 go through that rigmarole and. Uh, to pay penalties uh, for accessing uh, capital early that 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 I had been uh, putting in there, and felt those frustrations. So I, I would certainly want to know the answer to that question as well as I was vetting this this process. So when you call up the insurance company that you're part owner of because you own one of these policies, they want to know two things. They want to know how much of what's accessible do you want them to send to you, and where do you want them to send it to. Is it going to be a check in the mail? Is it going to be a direct deposit in uh, a checking uh, account? Are you going to have it wired to whatever? How much and where should they send it to? Uh, you have a contractual right to access cash values because of this this policy that you own. So you, you have a contractual right to access capital because of the cash value that you have in this policy. So what's it like? It's like making a phone call. 
It's like making a phone call and answering those two questions of how much do you want sent and where do you want it sent to. And I made sure to communicate that to William. It's it's just a different way, folks, is what I'm saying. If you're still vetting this concept and, and you've done things conventionally and you felt the friction of whatever it's like to go to a bank asking for a loan, whatever it's like to see if you qualify against someone else's standards uh, to access money where you've been putting in money uh, to, to anywhere, to anywhere, you know, being being subject even like, you know, the the real estate market's been volatile right now. You know, so that might mean different things for folks who have lines of credit, especially if they were counting on those lines of credit or uh, they were considering selling a home. And, you know, is that up or down or, you know, can it can it move? So, again, the value of being able to access capital. Guaranteed while it's compounding. What a beautiful thing. Both those things being able to happen at the same time. So I hope that's a satisfactory answer here for everybody else. William and I got to talk about that a bit more. So I hope that's been helpful for everybody else. Thank you, William, for the question. The next question is from Thomas. Thomas asks, can I apply this to my business? Yes. Yes, Thomas. I I had a chance to talk with Thomas uh, about that. Everything's finance, folks. In your household, in your business, in your investing, no matter what it is that we're talking about, everything is finance. Either we're using somebody else's money, if we qualify, on their terms and conditions, paying them interest, printing the collateral perhaps, or we amass capital ourselves. We save up We save up money ourselves. And do we assume some risk there? Maybe, probably. Um, is it growing? You know, uh, is it being taxed? So lots of questions. But those are the two different ways of, Financing things. Everything's finance. One of those two ways. And can that apply to a business just like it does a household or just like it does an investment? Absolutely. Absolutely. This can. So one of the greatest dangers for a business is not enough capital, period. I mean, just look statistically at how many businesses don't make it in the first year and then look at the percentage of those that do make it through the first year, make it in the first five years and, and then then there's an even smaller percentage right and like you can just keep walking that out uh so we can't have too much capital can't have too much access to capital whether we're talking about as individuals households or businesses i mean if a if two businesses in the same industry and location if everything all else being equal one is beholden to the banker paying out Bukus of interest, okay, on someone else's terms and conditions. Again, if they qualify, it's very interesting. But then somebody else just has a contractual right to access capital and they are forever compounding their cash flows at the same time. Who's going to win? I'm just saying, who's going to win? So can you apply this to your business? Yes, absolutely. And if you want to have a conversation about how to apply that to your business, Let's talk about that. Good question, Thomas. Devin asks, can we use this for recurring expenses? I'm really glad for this question. Devin and I talked about that. I told him, like I'll tell you, you shouldn't be taking your grocery money and paying policy premiums with that. It's grocery money. Buy your groceries, right? So just just to give a real practical example, 
but I can say too the that one of my more popular episodes that I've done so far since podcasting and being on YouTube talking about infinite banking has been an episode that I did on recurring expenses, infinite banking for recurring expenses. Because can you use the infinite banking concept for recurring expenses like property taxes, like automobile insurance? Could you use, I mean, anything. Could you use it for a recurring expense? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. You can use it for recurring expenses. Is that the most practical place to start on recurring expense? Everybody's different. It might be the place to start for somebody. If somebody, just for example, if somebody had no third-party debt, owned their home outright, you know, no student loans, no credit cards, didn't have, you know, over the next 12 months, any big-ticket item that they were planning or anticipating on financing. Again, if they were well-capitalized, because it's good to be well-capitalized, because opportunities are attracted to capital, and also, it, it it behooves us to have capital for the unknown as well, right? But again, could it be the case that recurring expenses is what makes sense for some? Because there are those out there who say, well, okay, I've got a policy. What do I use it for? Okay. Um, but recurring expenses might be the place to start. But it certainly might not be the place to start if we're bleeding out interest dollars like the average American is elsewhere. So can you use it for recurring expenses? Absolutely. Have I? I have. Uh, and I've used it for other things as well. Again, this is the infinite banking concept. The limiting factor is just what we can wrap our minds around, right? It's the infinite banking concept. Emphasis on infinite. The next question comes from Terrence. Terrence asks, should I replace a uh, 100-year policy that I have for a paid-up at 75. He had told me that he was currently paying $1,000 a month premium um, towards a company that I don't own any policies with or write any business with. Um, and he bought that policy secondary to buying mortgage protection insurance um, from an individual. Okay, good question. Should I replacement of a policy? Let's talk about that. So the type of a policy matters because there are so many different types of life insurance out there. Term insurance, whole insurance, universal insurance, variable index, all these different types. Okay. Nash talked about one type of insurance that he owned, that he used, that he wrote. I talk about one type of insurance that I own exclusively and that I write. Whole life insurance with mutual companies that pay dividends. So if I could take what type of product off of the table from the get-go and, you know, I've addressed all those other types of, of, of insurance, and it might make sense for somebody to have a certain amount of, of term insurance. That, that might be a standalone policy that they have. That might be a rider on a whole life policy that they have. But the other stuff, wouldn't own it, don't own it, wouldn't write it, don't write it. Okay, so, it, but even if we're talking about whole life insurance, and even if somebody owns a whole life insurance policy with a mutual company that, that I don't own policies with or that I don't write business for, 
would I tell them automatically to to cancel that policy and let's do anything else, whether it's with me or not? No, no, that's not my default answer to say, oh, yeah, you, that, you shouldn't have that. That's not b- the best for you. Now, it may, it may be the case that you have something that that I wouldn't have. OK, but if but if you've got something that somebody else wrote and that's with a good company, stable company, company that pays a dividend and and they are a mutual company. Now, they might not be they might not be friends of the infinite banking concept. OK, um, and and it's good for you to know the exact nature of that contract. I encourage and I did. I encourage Terrence to, to understand his contract. But my default answer is not to cancel something else just so I could write you a policy because that, that's just not the place to start. That's just not the place to start. Now, you could, you got lots of options, right? Like you might keep that that you already have because you already have it, especially if it's good enough, good enough. It might not be optimal. It might not be optimal. But it might be good enough. It, it just might be something that you keep and you add. Because again, you know, my wife and I, we've practiced this concept of becoming your own banker for going on eight years now. We own multiple policies with multiple companies. It may be the case that you just add to your system if that makes sense as well. That just might be one scenario uh, that you that you pursue. Um, because I do talk with plenty of folks that they might already have some you know, burial expense type of whole life policy, for example. And that doesn't necessarily have to be canceled, especially depending on how old it is. And this, all right, this this is jumping in my mind right now. I can't stand, I can't stand. It's wrong. It's irresponsible and wrong. And there are folks that'll do this. There are folks that'll do this on air, on on, on national airwaves. They'll tell somebody, that this type of product is always right. That that you have is is, is wrong. It's a scam. It's uh, whatever it is that they say. And they will tell you, at least they will tell you, you know, keep that in force until you replace it with this. That's good. Don't go without protection. If you if you should have protection, then you should for whatever reason. We all we got different levels of need of protection, but we all need protection. Um. But just to blatantly across the board say, get rid of that, especially depending on how old that product is and how efficient that thing may be, it's detestable. Detestable. I don't have a cookie cutter approach anyway as far as addressing your need of finance. And, and well... I've just adopted Nash's philosophy, the philosophy that when you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. So to throw out a blanket statement of saying, oh, this is this is this is always. Well, it's either it's either malicious or it's ignorant and ignorant is fine because I I was ignorant about the properties of whole life insurance as well myself 10 years ago, let's say. okay. Uh, but I had a chance to learn, and I did. You have a chance to learn, and I hope you do. Or it's malicious. So that's the way I see it anyway. <laughs> so excuse my digression. No, I mean, there's 
There's no need to excuse it. It's out there, and folks need to know what they have. That's what I encouraged Terrence to do was to know what he had. Do you need to replace this for that? No. And specifically, when he asked about, you know, should I should I replace this hundred? Because that's I mean that's a good long range product, a hundred year policy. Should I replace this one hundred year policy for a paid up at seventy five? Because I want to have you know uh, passive income at that time. It's like, well, okay, when you're seventy five. Or 85 or 20, it doesn't matter. Once you understand that you could be on this constant grow, upward growth trend, when would you want that to start? When would you want that to stop? Okay. I would like it to have started at the beginning. And when would I like it to stop? Never. Never. I never want that to stop. So policy design is important. Let me say that. Knowing what you already have. When you're exposed to this idea of becoming your own bigger is important. Happy to help you with that as best as I can. Be happy to have that conversation. And to know how to add to whatever it is that you're already doing is also very, very important. So Terrence, thanks for our conversation that we had. And uh, thank you to everybody else for letting me use that as a platform to be able to discuss that very, very important topic of knowing what you have. Because when you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. So if you'd like to have a conversation about how to implement the infinite banking concept into your household or your business or your investing, then don't hesitate to reach out. And if you've got a question, feel free to put that in the comments section below. This has been a great pleasure for me. I look forward to our next conversation. Have a great day. Take care. Yes, yeah, I got a question for you. Okay. When's lunch? All right. Hey, yo, I got a question for you, okay? What are we going to eat? I'm hungry, okay? Make me a sandwich. Let's get some coffee. All right. Goodbye.